that product. The beef industry is so robust and so well developed. You know, we're so, we're, we, we don't have very many of the efficiencies the beef industry has. And so it's conservation through commerce, right? If, if people didn't like eating bison, there wouldn't be 500,000 today. Agriculture is slow money. Calves born right now, this spring, this April, those calves born today wouldn't put money back in that rancher's pocket for five years. This is the ProCo 360 Podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting ProCo 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs. Today's episode features Bob Deneen of Rocky Mountain Natural Meats, home of the Great Range Bison brand. I met Bob Deneen via my role at the Colorado Chamber of Commerce and was recently visiting with him. And I realized, Proco 360 listeners, that you're used to hearing about new, super cool products and technology, businesses, that kind of thing on Proco 360. So this episode varies from that pattern, and you will like this episode because I know during a recent conversation with Bob at the company headquarters, I learned a ton about the industry, which I found really interesting. His is the story of building a Colorado brand that now owns 40% of the global market in its niche. So come on, whether you are a meat eater or a vegan, there's a lot to appreciate and learn. Bob, glad you could be here on Proco 360. Well, thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Now, I didn't, I, you know, I mentioned that's a bison buffalo company. Uh, tell us about it. So Rocky Mountain Natural Meats buys bison from producers around the West and in Canada. Um, we process them all here in Colorado. And of course, Colorado being our home base since we started in 1986, we have a pretty good market presence here. You know, we're in Costco, we're in Target, we're in Whole Foods, uh, we're in Kings and Safeway. And so... I think consumers have had an awareness, maybe acceptance of bison for, for years and years. And so when we started here, we were kind of fortunate that this is where we started selling meat because we weren't national at that time. We just were selling locally. Um, today we ship all over the country and we ship to Europe. Wow. So, I, I mean, 40% of any market globally is well, you, a huge number. You got you to gotta know, Dave, and you're in a little tiny pond. If you're the big frog, you're still in a little tiny pond. And the bison industry is very small compared to the beef industry. Um, today, there are pr approximately 500,000 bison in North America. There's none really anywhere else, which is, is kind of cool because there's no imported bison meat. In, yeah. Uh, for sale here because there isn't any anywhere else. So for like scale, are there like a thousand times the number of cattle as bison? Ten thousand times more? Well, um, the, the number I think is a little less now because the cattle numbers are lower than they've been in a long, long time since maybe the early 1960s. But um, I know that from a harvest perspective, uh, the beef industry harvests somewhere between 90 and 100,000 beef cattle every week. Okay, so under those wow. numbers, um, you know, we're we're very small. The the number I used to throw around was 100 million cattle in the United States. Mm -hmm. 100 million. Wow. I don't think there's that many wow. today. So it's a really a small fraction of the. It's of a the, tiny. Yeah. it's a tiny little industry. So it, I got to ask too before we get too far. Is it bison or buffalo or what? You can use either. The correct name is bison. Is and, it the and same animal or it's not? The same. It's the same animal. Look, you know they got they call them buffalo, but the true buffalo are the water buffalo, the Cape buffalo of Africa. Those are the true buffalo, and and bison are not really related, but 
early settlers called them buffalo, and the name is stuck. And yeah. a lot of uh, parts of the industry, they're known as buffalo. And shoot, I use the two words in the same sentence yeah, on yeah. occasion. So you can call them either. But yeah. the true, there, there are several subspecies of Oh, gosh, bison. we're not going to get into this. Well, I'm just going to tell yeah. you, this is really easy, right? The Latin name for Plains bison is bison, bison, bison. So, Well, that's easy. That's all right. Easy. So okay. now, uh, we've all heard about their various healthy attributes about bison. Sure. Without getting into too much of it, there is a difference between, between consuming bison and consuming cattle cows right well you know it depends on how those cattle are fed it depends on how the bison are fed but it's absolutely true that bison do have a little different nutritional profile and they are higher in iron higher in in protein because you're buying less fat and um, it's a very naturally produced product right we no no hormones no antibiotics um, and, and I think it has a different flavor profile than beef that a lot of people enjoy I also think that there's something about bison meat that's i guess easy on your system right mm. i think there's a subconscious there people eat it they have a great experience with it and and that's why they come back yeah it's leaner um it's a great source of protein well and, and who, who better than the than to tout its benefits than the well i better like it yeah yeah so i do want to go back you mentioned the the sort of account the, the number of bison in the country now. I mean, I, I looked on your website back. It says in 1492, right, when Columbus discovered America, there were uh, touted 60 million that's right. bison. It got down in the late 1800s to 1,000, yeah, in which, which case they were like an endangered species, right? So they were. People, do people need to worry about No, not anymore? at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. You know, when they when, in 1890-ish, when there was supposedly around 1,000 left, most of those were orphan calves, right? They had slaughtered all the adults for their hides and um, also to control Native American populations because, you know, the Native Americans followed the bison herds and, and lived off that, right? That was their grocery store. So when that happened, um, it's kind of amazing that there's 500,000 head today because in a lot of species there wouldn't be a big enough gene pool and we'd become uh, they become extinct just because of the recessive traits. So the the fact that there's 500,000 bison today is because people eat them. And so it's conservation through commerce, right? If if people didn't like eating bison, there wouldn't be 500,000 today. And when it's one of the greatest conservation stories in the world, I think it's in the top five, when people vote for their dollar buy, purchase bison at, at their local grocery store, they're, being, they're part of that conservation hmm. story. Because the more people eat it, the more animals there, there yeah, will be. Yeah, you know, I think people who don't support the eating of animals would really have trouble with that, with that notion that you're part of a conservation story when you eat an animal. Well, it's true, because if nobody ate them, there'd be a few in zoos and nowhere else, right? Ten mm. percent of all the bison in North America are owned by the federal government or local, like Denver Mountain Parks has a couple mm -hmm. little herds. Yeah. Custer Park in South Dakota is owned by the state of South Dakota. The Yellowstone herd's a federal herd. But there would all of those public herds or you know, quasi-governmental herds 
only amount to about 10% of those. They're the almost like outdoor population. zoos is what they are, really. In a way, yeah, that's yeah. right. So what does raising bison, what does farming bison, what does that look like? On your website, you, you promote, you sort of show pictures of your ranchers and stuff. But like, what does it look like? Is it like Ted Turner's huge spread? Well, Ted has a, quite a presence in our industry, of course. I mean, Ted's Montana Grill, he created a number of years ago to showcase bison meat to, to uh, people around the country. It's been very successful. Um, but also, um, there's lots of mom and pop ranches, right? And, and people raise bison for a lot of reasons. You know, their ranchers originally, maybe they were in the beef business, maybe they transitioned. You know, the, the, the upside to raising bison would be that it's more hands-off, right? They calve on their own. Bulls breed cows naturally. It's a very natural production cycle. And in some cases, people raise bison because beef cattle didn't work. Maybe it's very, very rugged country. In Canada, it's very cold. Bison are so well insulated, it takes Mm. less calories for that animal to survive the winter. So, you know, the Canadian guys that raise them, I mean, those guys are in the house having a hot toddy when it's 40 below, and the guys in the beef business are worrying (laughs) about some of their beef cattle, you know, not surviving the storm. So, that's there's a lot of reasons why people raise them what does it look like well it's the same as beef industry you know it's on green grass you know grass is dormant in the winter time but in uh, north america it would be cows kevin in april may and june and raising their calves they would well but i mean are these are, are they corralled or are they like the you know huge open meadows that we see and they'd pictures? be out they'd be out in huge meadows most of the time they raising, have to be yeah. they have to be brought in once a year and and vaccinated wormed calves are sorted off the cows in the, in the late fall early winter usually and um it's very similar to the beef industry in that way in that way so what don't people understand about you know i mean i think those of us who even want to think about, like most of us don't want to think about where red meat comes from at all. But I mean, what what don't we understand about the bison industry that we think maybe we understand about the the cattle industry? Well, I think probably number one, they don't we don't understand, or, or consumers don't understand how how small, how, what a little cottage industry this is, and how it depends on all of those consumers that buy that product. The beef industry is so robust and so well developed. You know, we're so, we're, we're, we don't have very many of the efficiencies the beef industry has, so it's more difficult in some ways for us to operate. Um, I always tell, to give two examples, and one is the sale barn where guys, ranchers, take their excess cattle to the sale barn and they sell them. And they get today's market price, and as a result of the Packers and Stockyards Act, by law, they're paid cash on the barrelhead that day. Bison aren't included under Packers and Stockyards, mm. number one. There's nobody at the sale barn looking to buy a bison cow, so they're, gonna, they're not going to get full value. Um, on the meat side, there's brokers out there that handle huge volumes of excess inventory, meat that, that didn't sell this week. It's still fresh. It's still perfectly good. Um, those brokers out there that handle that product, you know, when a, when a big packer sells, you know, a couple of truckloads, they're not going to get maybe – the sheet, which is the mm. USDA published reporting price reporting, but they're going to get close. Mm-hmm. And in our industry, those guys wow. aren't buying our products. So it's all up to us to market 
that animal completely. Huh. Well, we have to sell every part of it. I want to talk with you about that in just a second. I want to remind listeners, this is the Proco 360 podcast named Best Colorado Business Podcast 2021 and 2022. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Bob Deneen of Great Range Bison. Thanks to our sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Kinsley Meetings, by the way, is our longest-running sponsor. Thanks to them. If your business uh, is growing, if it needs meetings and you have a lot of moving parts, you should call Steve and Allison Kinsley. Also, Via Technologies, really appreciate them hosting Proco 360 and all the great help that the team gives me around managing the website. Finally, Colorado Biz Magazine. Our partnership is one of building our audiences together. Please go to Proco360.com and check out these sponsors. Uh, Bob, I want to shift to the kitchen a little bit. Sure. Is there something that, you know, if, if we get, uh, now I feel like a Sunday morning radio show here, but if we pick up uh, a piece of bison, is there something, like, do we need to cook it differently? No, not really. I mean, whatever recipe you, you like to use with beef, that recipe will work fine with bison. You just want to be careful not to overcook it because it's going to be leaner. So yep. therefore, it's going to dry out easier, you know. Um, but a good bison ribeye, hot and fast, medium rare, that's the way to cook that's it. That's the way. So, all right, I want to get back to sort of the marketing and distribution piece mm -hmm. uh, because I, I'm still fascinated that you've, A, you got 40% of the market, and do you even market? Do you sure. try to say, yeah, so what's, what does it mean to market buffalo meat? Well, most of our business is grocers. Um, you know, and I named it a bunch of them that we sell to mm -hmm. here yeah. in Colorado. So we're always on the lookout for a grocery store that maybe isn't carrying bison currently. I think most consumers now know that bison is available in a lot of grocery stores around the country, which is a testament not just to our company, but the other companies that are out there marketing. We have a pretty good footprint in the meat case in a lot of grocery stores, and yet we're this tiny little industry. It's yeah. kind of an amazing story, really, that bison is as available as it is. Um, so what we try to do is the events like this. This is a great way to yeah. talk to people about bison. Where does the product come from? How is it produced and how is it raised? Um, we do some food shows. We do some uh, trade shows. We we have a, a small but growing social media presence on Facebook. My daughter kind of handles that for us. But marketing really is trying to gain a new customer, keep the customer you already have. Is, That's what. I, yeah, but marketing for you, it's not like buying a brand of yogurt. No. Uh, you know, because it, it seems like, at least to me, that branding is less important than Am I buying buffalo or am I buying beef or am I buying pork? I, it seems to me that that industry doesn't, that the meat industry, I mean, yeah, there are a few brands that we know about in chicken and stuff, but it seems like in your case, it's like, do I want buffalo or beef? I think people have, I think the, I think the, the branded beef industry, and I, I don't really have much in, um, knowledge about the poultry or pork industry. I'm not in those industries, but we're cousins to the beef industry, right? And branded beef has become a bigger and bigger player in the grocery store uh, chain. And I think people have figured out that certain branded beef is better than commodity beef. There's maybe a story behind it. You know, maybe it's all natural. Maybe it's even organic, whatever. Um, I think that people have figured that out. And we've tried to follow that sort of trend in, with great range because what we're saying when we say it's great range is that we know the producer. We know how it was raised. We know how it was harvested. 
We know that we have a huge food safety program within our two facilities, and people can be confident that that product will be consistent week in, week yeah. out. How do you know how it was raised? Do you actually go out and spend time I, with I know a lot. I, most of the people that we buy from, uh, we buy, I have a handshake agreement. I don't have contracts with anybody. Really? Yes, sir. What's the handshake? What's in your handshake agreement? <laughs> um, we'll do what we say we're going to do. Yeah, but what, what do they say they're going to do? Deliver a certain number of cattle or, or treat them a certain way, feed them a certain way? What yeah. does that mean? No antibiotics, no hormones. Um, they, they know our quality control or our, our quality, um, our grading system. There's no actual USDA grading yeah, system. But can you raise a buffalo or bison to be of a certain quality? Well, yes, and it's all about feed program. And, and if those animals are thin and not in poor condition because of drought, because of lack of feed, then that quality of the meat's going to reflect that. Hmm. Okay. And so can you actually test the quality of a, of a produced bison well, before sure. you accept the delivery? Or well, do you, no, do you... we, don't, we have a payment scale. So the animals that aren't quality enough to, to make steaks out yeah, of, yeah. right? They go in the, that, that's part of our ground program. Ah, our ground so, but you program. really, this is, I mean, you're really inspecting each of the... Uh, we, we are. We actually get a, a, a sheet with every individual animal's live weight, carcass weight, yield, and we can tell but just by looking at that what we've got. Is there any, you don't, do you have any way to market your brand outside of the stores? You mentioned a little bit of social media. Sure. But, you know, I don't see television commercials. I don't see billboards, right? No, so, we don't do any of that. Yeah, there's just not that kind of budget, is well, there? Well, no, there isn't. I mean, we're a small company, right? So we're, we're pretty mindful of our best advertising is, is getting somebody to try it, right? All the TV and radio advertising billboards, they really don't, um, you have to do that repeatedly. What's the old adage that a consumer needs to see something seven times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that costs a lot of money, and we think that our, our money's better spent supporting our producers, you know, improving our facility, taking care of our employees. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we think all of that's very important. We're not really, uh, um, you know, we haven't done any TV ad advertising to date in 30-some years. Um, but if our best... Our best advertising is doing a promotion with a chain of stores and discounting the product, and maybe it's a dollar or two dollars off Getting a it out, getting it off and the shelf. You, yeah. we, we reward our existing customers when we do that, mm -hmm. and we hope we, we get some new trial. That's cool. Yep. This is Proco 360. I'm Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who can be successful anywhere in Choose Colorado. Again, this episode is with Bob Deneen of Great Range Bison. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. So you also sell, Bob, to—do you sell directly to some of the restaurants that, that serve Buffalo? We used to sell directly. Um, we still sell— we still have direct relationships with uh, restaurants like the Fort in Morrison. Mm. And, of course, we supply all the Ted's Montana Grill restaurants in the country. Um, really? But don't the, he grows his own buffalo, right? We buy buffalo from Ted. Ah. Yep, yep. We buy animals from Turner Ranches. Wow. So, so when you go, if I eat buffalo at a Ted's Montana Grill, I'm eating yours. It came from us. But yeah. Ted grew it. He, pet, uh, he petted it, probably. Well, I don't think he petted it. Um, <laughs> you know, and most people don't pet them. I mean, they're not pets, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but Ted, Ted, uh, Ted's ranches are, are very successful. You know, he's got, um, 14 ranches in six States, I believe is the wow. number. 
Um, wow. So he's the largest bison producer in the, in the world. If I wanted to start a bison ranch and sell to you, yeah. how many acres do I need? Well, that's, that's a question that's asked all the time. And to be honest with you, a little ranch like a 50 or 100 acres, that doesn't really work. You know, your better bet would be to market the little bit of product you're going to produce to local uh, farmer's markets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a bit of the industry that do sell that way. But really, to be, a, to be successful, you need to buy a ranch that would have the carrying capacity of, I'd say, a minimum of 100 mother cows. Which is what, a couple it, thousand acres? It, it depends on the country, the rainfall, yeah. the type of geography, the, the, uh, the type of grasses. But I would say at least a, a number of thousand of acres, you know, five to 10,000 acres. Wow. So it's an expensive process to get into business. And certainly, um, you know, that's one of the problems in American agriculture, right? How does that ranch maintain regenerative and sustainable um, through generations. But you're saying that a 10,000-acre ranch is a mom-and-pop operation. Well, it is in some cases, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. There's a lot of ranches that are that big that are owned by a husband and his wife and maybe their kids, and, you know, maybe they inherited it. Maybe they grew it from a smaller ranch and were successful in how they operated and and bought additional grass. Maybe they lease additional Mm -hmm. grass. Maybe you don't have to own all 10,000. Yeah. You know, but... um, yeah, so there's a lot of ways to, to do it. But yeah, so the market's growing. The market is growing. It's, it seems like it's growing sort of organically, sort of slowly. And that's healthy. That's manageable. Huh, yeah. You know? um, yeah, we, um, we the, the whole agriculture is slow money, right? There's not, uh, yeah, you could buy a ranch and flip it, but that's not how agriculture truly works. Bison are even slower than beef cattle in that bison don't get bred until they're two years old. Calf is threes, and most of the animals we harvest are in that two-year-old range. So calves born right now this spring, this April, a lot of bison ranches are calving actively right now. Those calves born today wouldn't put money back in that rancher's pocket for five years. Wow. Because that heifer calf that's born now wouldn't breed until she's two versus years old. a cow a beef would be like two years right it, it'd be a year shorter on the cow having a calf and then about maybe six eight months shorter on the length of time to grow that animal wow. that calf out wow product so you got to be patient animal. you got to be patient and if you're starting out you got to have some deep pockets you got to have some deep pockets wow yeah so it's not an easy it's not an easy thing to to get into right agriculture yeah. isn't Right. Well, speaking about deep pockets, you put some cash in your pockets with that belt buckle you were no, showing me I earlier. Because you were, didn't you do some competitive roping? Uh, we, we team, team rope. roping. Well, that's what our family's done. We, we, you know, my kids grew up uh, roping. My wife ropes. We're horse people on the side, and that's what we do. And yeah, I mean, team roping is, is a it's a fun it's a fun hobby. We uh, we spend a lot of time doing that. We have some horses at home that we try to take good care of and keep legged up, keep in shape, and, and go compete a little bit. Um, I don't compete like I used to, but it's a fun it's a fun hobby, and it's kind of what we love, and uh, it fits into the ranching deal. I mean, we also do stuff with our horses, like help some beef guys brand. We're supposed to go to our branding this, this Sunday. Not sure we're going to make it, mm-hmm. but um, it's that time of year, right? So, you know, the, that, that horse, you, you got to love horses. I mean, uh, we do, and, and um, you know, it's part of what we do on the side. But I didn't make enough money 
I always say when I win it, you know, you can win a couple of grand at a, at a roping, but that's like show, throwing a, a shovel full of dirt in the Grand Canyon when it comes yeah. to what, it, you know, the money you spend on feeding and keeping horses, buying horses, your tack, your truck, your trailer, all of that. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not a, it's not, it's not a big money maker. Either. That's slower money than the bicycle <laughs> business. <laughs> well, now, what, what are the trends you see going forward with, with the bison industry uh you said it's going to go slow it's going to grow slower there, there's no such thing as new product is there well you know i i've been asked that what new products are you developing and it's really about um kind of staying in our lane and doing what we think we're good at and what we think we are good at is producing a really high quality 90 percent lean fresh ground product that's available in grocery stores around the country where we know that that product has gets rave reviews from our consumers. We've done uh, a number of studies on flavor profiles and taste testing, and and we've always come out on top. We are good at that. And so, rather than coming out with new products, you know, and I'm not saying that it'll never happen, but there's really not much of an industry as as in uh, pre-cooked product you know, the meals ready to eat type stuff. We do sell to a couple of those kind of outfits, but um, truly what we're good at is not the mail order side. We don't do any mail order. Um, it's dealing with that meat buyer at that grocery store so that he knows we have his back. We're supporting him hmm. with ads and ad money, and, and uh, we want it to be successful for him too, right? So it's really about the whole industry in that it has to be good for the rancher. You know, they have to be able to be profitable. And um, we work very hard at trying to figure out how to do that. Bison is more expensive. It's more expensive in a lot of ways. And probably the biggest reason is the infancy of the industry, right? Because the industry's really only been around on the scale it is today for about 30, 40 years. Yeah, but what would become, you mentioned there's not efficiencies in the bison industry the way there are in the beef industry, but isn't some of that just flat-out scale? I mean, there isn't absolutely. demand to drive the scale That's that would create absolutely. the rate. So, so what do you see could be potentially, like in 10, 20 more years, what's going to become different? Well, I think the industry will continue to grow. There'll be more animals. And, and as a result of that, it'll be available in more places and, and maybe in different formats. Maybe you'll see a, a fast food chain put a bison burger mm. on the menu full time. Maybe you'll have the ability to buy uh, a bison burger somewhere where you can't right now. You're going to be a McBuffalo burger? My, you never know. I, mean, <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, not maybe in my lifetime, but it's definitely possible. And, and uh, you know, what we know about bison is that they're, they're, they, they evolved in this western high plains environment, right? So they fit into this environment very well. They handle the weather very well. They existed from the almost the Arctic Circle to Mexico. Mm. I mean, they can handle the hot weather and the cold weather. Is it also, you know, here here we are. We're sitting in Colorado, and we can go out tonight and get, get bison in any number of restaurants. That's right. Is that part of our sort of romanticized notion of the West? Do people in California and the East Coast, do they buy bison yeah, at the same rate? Absolutely. At the same rate as we do? Absolutely. You know, um some of the our best Whole Foods locations are in uh, in California. You know, Dave, the thing about bison is is that um, we've been eating bison on this continent for thousands of years, and that's not just by accident. Obviously, the availability was part of it. But if you read history, and the one I f like to fall back on is Lewis and Clark, when they came to, when they went across the Western United States in 1803 or 1806, whatever year, year it was. Their favorite thing to eat was bison. 
by a lot. That was their favorite thing to eat, and that is because it is really flavorful, really good to eat, and it's really, uh, um, I think, an enjoyable hmm. protein option for people, right? Yeah. Um, we don't, well, there's not enough of it out there. When you mentioned that some people don't want to eat meat, I mean, we couldn't supply every person in, uh, in the United States. I think I did the math one time that if we were to feed like 50% of the people in the United States, a quarter pounder once a week, the, the species would be extinct in like five or six months. Yeah. Right. There's just a very limited yep. supply. Yep. And that's one of the reasons the price is high, mm-hmm. um, and that, well, that's part of the part of our challenge. So, what what haven't we, in our last couple of minutes? What what haven't we covered about you know the bison business that that? Oh, I know. I was going to ask you too. Like, what have is there a market for like the the furry hides and stuff? That there is. Part you of? know, the leather market in general, the beef leather market and the bison leather market are both kind of depressed. Fifty uh, percent of the leather produced in the world historically went to footwear, and people wear Crocs and sneakers, ah, and, and so yeah. the demand for leather has gone down. But, I mean, what about like those furry hides yeah, that are decorative we, and all that? Well, kind of bison are prime in December and January, right? They shed their winter coats in the spring and grow them back in the fall. So those robes, as they're they're called, mm. um, which are great. Um, we don't sell every robe we produce from every animal we kill in that time frame, but we do have some tanned, and and we do sell some of those. And they're really a unique item. They're expensive, but they're really mm. really. What cool. do you mean expensive? What's oh, a nice robe? You know, I think retails over a thousand bucks, but um, wholesales around eight hundred. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, margins aren't even good on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they cost a lot to get tanned. Trust me, yeah. there. They're, uh, the cost of tanning one of those things, they're big, and when they're wet, they're extremely heavy, and there's a really good uh, tannery in Idaho that does the work for wow. us. They do a good job, but, you know, they get, a, they get a big chunk of that 800 bucks. I'm sure they do. So what else should, should we talk about before we wrap up? Something you're excited about your business. Well, I, I just think the bison industry is so unique. We love the animal. My wife and I got involved when I managed a ranch in uh, Colorado here in, in the 80s, and, uh, you know, we, we just kind of fell in love with the animal. Um, they're really unique, and so I think that people here in Denver probably don't realize that that great range brand that they see on the shelf, it's all produced right here in Colorado, right? Those animals come to Colorado or are harvested here in our plant in, in Colorado. Their, their product is put packaged and shipped out of our plant in Henderson, and, uh, you know, it's really a local product. You know, yeah, we're shipping to the West Coast. We're shipping to the East Coast. And, but if and, I buy it here, it's local. It's local. And it really is local. And uh, so I think consumers need to know that, that that's, that's a cool part of the story. That's neat. Well, yep. thanks. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on ProCo 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Bob Deneen of Rocky Mountain Natural Meats and, great, and the brand. Whoops, I'll start over there. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on ProCo 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Bob Deneen of Rocky Mountain Natural Meats and the brand great range bison and bob glad you could join me in the studio i'm this is just an industry i've been curious about sure well i appreciate you having us um having me here you know it's always great to go get to talk to consumers one way or the other um about it because there's a lot of questions about how is it raised how are these produced where does it come from and so it's fun to do that and i appreciate the opportunity i'm glad you were here and listeners glad you're here too on proco 360 where we say live work love colorado because you and i and my guests can be successful 
anywhere and choose Colorado in the case of Bob. I'm not sure you're going to be successful anywhere. you got to be someplace uh, close to the bison. <laughs> but you make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to our show sponsors, Via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Thank you.